Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Front Porch Political Talk Show with your host, Hatton Humphrey bringing you thoughtful comments on the news of the day, as well as lessons from the past and insights into things to come. We offer our comments and invite you to add your own. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, August 28th, 2016. This is the Front Porch Political Talk Show. My name is Hatton Humphrey, and I thank everyone for listening in. Our show is produced through TalkShoe, which provides two two ways to be a part of the call. You can dial in area code 724-444-7444. The TalkCast ID is 75570. You can also join us on the web-based text chat at TalkShoe.com slash TC slash 75570. Uh, we also stream the recording session into the uh, into Shoreman's Lounge at uh, Cheertopia in Second Life. We thank both the Republicans of Second Life, Shoreman, and uh, cheer to- and the Second Life Cheerleading Squad for their support. Um, if you're listening on RedStateTalkRadio.com, on Stitcher.com, on your favorite podcast player, uh, you can you can participate by sending comments to us via email at conservativepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find our Facebook page, facebook.com slash frontporchpoliticaltalk, or our Twitter feed at ECConservative. Now, if you... We did have an unannounced um, week off, so uh, catching up on a couple of things. We had we had way too many guests in the house to to try and uh, coordinate a a recording session last week, but uh, it, it, the news didn't oh, stop. So how is how is Sarah uh, recovering? <laughs> we 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 went from you're, half- giving, you're giving giving us this song and dance about too many kids. You got orders from headquarters, and we all know it. <laughs> no, we had we went from we went from having four people in the house to having ten. So yeah, I mean it was great. They was the fun having him here. Um, we did a lot of fun things, but uh, you know, based on where my recording setup is, we weren't recording that night. So, um, you know, it, it, it was an odd decision, and that that strangely enough is the topic of our show this this week odd decisions um you know we we all make them we all have you know some interesting choices that we make some people you know choose not to like monty python others choose to um do various things <laughs> i will pay for that <laughs> i i'm i'm I, I will refrain from making any more quotes tonight uh, How, who's who's got the cat I'm hearing a cat in my right ear. Uh, that must Never. be in, that must be SL. All right. Never mind. Carry on. Carry on. Um, you know the um, the decisions we're going to be looking at this week are are more politically based, and and we're going to start off with a with a rather interesting decision that was made. Um, 
by farm lobbyists trying to get tens of millions of dollars in federal aid for their members who are struggling thanks to a combination of overproduction and low commodity prices uh, in regards to cheese. Um, we're, pu we're, we're pushing both Congress and the USDA to assist producers, said Zach Clark, a lobbyist for the National Farmers Union. In addition to the NFU, those who have been shaking cups in the nation's capital include lobbyists from the American Farm Bureau and the National Milk Producers Federation. Now, I'm going to stop here for just a second. They're complaining that they've made too much cheese. Let that sink in for a second. And then go to the grocery store and look at the price of cheese. It hasn't gone down. It's gone up, at least in my neck of the woods. Um, they've, sought, they've sought centers... Uh, on increasing the amount of, of wheat pre present in shipments of, of foreign food aid, expecting loan farmer, loans to farmers, and getting more cash in the hands of dairy producers. By Tuesday, aid for dairy farmers was already a done deal. Um, it's a $20 million USDA purchase of surplus cheese. That's on top of a million, uh, $11 million in additional support for dairy producers the USDA announced earlier this month. I, I, I want to comment on this from two views. Go ahead. The first view is there are states <clears throat> in the United States of America that have so few people that the agricultural practitioners are the largest voting block. Does that answer your question? The yeah. second thing I want to point out is I was raised on surplus cheese and surplus butter and a couple of other surplus things. So I got a warm spot in my heart for these crooked politicians <laughs> because there were nights when I had a full tummy thing. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is. Cause they, they used to they used to give it away at the welfare office. I'm yeah, curious. it was it was it was a it was a block of cheddar that was simply labeled cheese. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> And and, and I know. have I have first hand knowledge of how that looks too. Good, good. You know. Um Yeah, this this one, you know, but it's the government does this every now and then and you never hear about it. This time you're actually hearing about it. And I'll point out I'll I'll repeat what um uh what Stray Dog said in Second Life, or I mean in Talk Show said most of this so-called aid does not go to the actual farmers. It goes to large corporate farms, not the smaller farmers, not the small farmer you might imagine. Well, he's right, of course. He's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Because the small, the small farmers can't afford to make political contributions. No, I mean, they... <laughs> they, they, they structured a whole freaking deal so that the guy, the donors get the money and the hardworking little farmers mm -hmm. with, you know... Depending on the state you're in, with less than a thousand acres, don't get darn, a darn thing. In New York, that would be less than 200 acres. By the way, wow. Now, Charlie said something absolutely noteworthy. Mm -hmm. She said that Wisconsin cheese is the best. Now, I, I don't know if she knows this or not, but I was raised in Wisconsin, and I have to say that all things considered, she's absolutely correct. Uh. <laughs> Moving on. I'm not, I'm not a judge of cheese. I'm not. It's well, with a little practice, you could get there. But never mind. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about four Iranian vessels. Oh and yeah. Harassing me. Yeah. This one. This one came up, and it's. It, this was an odd decision by the Iranian Navy. Now, we're, later on, 
we're actually going to be talking about the uh, the money that was sent to Iran and whether it was a payoff for uh, whether it was a payoff or a payback of you know interest on loans or interest on money held or whatever it was. But the but four ships belonging to the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps uh, in uh, from Iran harassed an American destroyer in the Strait of Hormuz on Tuesday. A U.S. They, Navy- they were they were more like oversized PT boats, but I mean, calling them ships is a, 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 a courtesy. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, that the fact is they did it, and yeah. we did our usual thing. We folded when the at the first sign of trouble. Yeah. The, it's, instead of instead of turning them into Swiss cheese. Reverting back to the previous story, yeah. which we had every capability of doing, we gave them three, count them, three warning shots, three warning shots when we should have been making them into Swiss cheese. Yep. Uh, you know, it's, 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 oh, the, this was, it's, it's, the, the thing that surprises me is that we are surprised. You know, we don't yet understand that Iran believes that they are at war with us and they are surprised that we continue to be surprised. I mean, look, we talked about this a a month or two ago when they captured our less than brave sailors, which was somewhat of a a sad state. And we had this discussion about were they being mistreated? Were the sailors being mistreated? And I pointed out that to the Iranians, these were enemy combatants and and they were treating them like enemy combatants. And everybody had a hissy fit that that just wasn't true. Well, you know, this is more evidence to the fact that Iran views the United States as an enemy combatant. And we still think we can diplomatize them. We're idiots. And they chuckle all the way back to the... To the uh, Whatever the hell they call their churches, the mosques. Mosques. You know, the mosques, yeah. I mean, it, they are at war, and they are doing everything predictable by uh, that people who are at war do. They are capturing sailors at, at on the high seas. They are harassing enemy ships in the Strait of Hormuz. What mm-hmm. the hell? They're at war. Of course they're going to do those things. And then every time we grab our chests and say how unprofessional their behavior is, they chuckle. Well, what, I mean, we're, we're, we're idiots. I don't disagree. What really, you know, I, and I, I don't know how many times, well, you were, you were Air Force. Um, I went through the Straits of Hormuz three times, and that is basically the entry and exit from, entry to and exit from the Suez Canal. Um, it's a... There's it's a congested place. There's a lot of there's a lot of naval traffic going through both commercial and military. Um, and uh, according to uh, according to the official from the U.S. Navy, uh, he said the Iranian ships carried out a high speed intercept with two of the vessels coming within 300 yards of the USS Nitzi. Uh, the naval official described the incident as unsafe and unprofessional, adding that the Iranian ships created a dangerous, harassing situation that could have led to further escalation. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know if they are doing this to egg on, and I'll, I'll use the phrase that Stray Dog said in, in Talk Show, uh, the great Satan. <laughs> 
which is what they call what they what you know many uh, re- religious Islamists look at the U.S. as. Um, but I'll just read his comment full out. You know, this gave him credibility in their little part of the world. They took on the great Satan, and the great Satan lost face, which is what happened. Uh, the Nitsi had to uh, change course um, <clears throat> and come dangerously close to an oil rig. In it, in with four very short bursts, those four small vessels would be at the bottom of the Straits of Hormuz. Mm-hmm. Let's remember that. Now, oh, yeah. just just yesterday, uh, the Iranian defense minister released a, a kind of a long statement that disproves exactly what we're saying. He asserted that, in fact, because of Iran's new military power that they've been building up since this agreement with the United States, the great Satan, that they now are in a position where they have the ability to completely defeat the United States military presence in the Persian Gulf. And, and you know what? That's not bluster. They actually believe that. They actually believe that they have the, the uh, capability now to go to war with the United States in the Persian Gulf and throw us out. Now, why would they be so stupid as to believe that? The answer is because we have done everything we could to convince them that that's true, like this most recent incident. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's even more so, you know, given the rules of engagement, um, our Secretary of State and our President and our Secretary of Defense, um, that does not surprise me that they would think that. Now... If the gloves came off, I know that that's akin to writing your own your own death warrant. But they can get away with it, and they know they can get away with it because of who's sitting in the various chairs. And and the gloves haven't come off for a long time. Mm-mm. We fought a couple of wars without the gloves actually coming off. Even Bush didn't take the gloves off. Oh no. I mean, the rules you of engagement. Know, you know full well. The that. rules of engagement under uh, under um, cause, well, see, I was in under Clinton, so I you know I was in Desert Storm, Desert Shield, or not Desert Shield and Continuing Freedom, um, in which the, the Democrat president wrote some frustrating rules of engagement, um, you know, both for ships and ashore and in the air. Um, so this, you know, which have essentially never been modified, except in some specific cases to make them more stringent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, before it was, you cannot fire unless you're fired upon, and that got changed to you cannot fire unless you unless you have been fired upon, and know with clear int- and know that uh, with reasonable understanding there are, there are no civilians in the area. Now that's probably not the exact wording well, of the rules also, engagement. But, They've also added that you got to call Washington to get approval to shoot. Yeah, you know they're they're back to frickin' Vietnam, where the targets and approval to fire are in Washington. Yeah, Lyndon Johnson and McNamara said, "Yeah, pull the trigger." That's why we got our ass kicked in Vietnam, despite all of the heroics that we poured into there, all the blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, we 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 lost. 50,000 men because of two idiots sitting in their air-conditioned offices in Washington, D.C. Now, I I know that's a very unpopular 
opinion among younger people, but you know, having been there, that's what it was. And and and, we're, and Obama has reinstituted that same thing. There are certain areas in Syria, for example, where they're not allowed to bomb unless they do a couple of flyovers to make sure that there's no civilians in the area or Russians or uh, PKU uh, Kurds or there's a long list. And if there's none of those, then we will give you permission to, to do the strike. Well, the Russians, I- of course drop their bombs anywhere they want sure. especially if they happen to be near american sure i will i i will share this um i have a military source and for safety and security i'm not going to say who it is uh but they were exp- this person was explaining the um his role and his role is as a sensor operator for the new drone platform um mm-hmm. so Basically, the sensor operator is the one that that watches and verifies targets for basically the. Is he an officer? No, he's not. That's a new thing, then. Yep. Yeah. Um, the the officers, you know, actually fly the drones. The sensor operator. Think of it as a as a large bird crew. So well, he, they're they're uh, they're they're starting to give uh, non commissioned men. As pilots, because they can't get enough commission pilots. Mm-hmm. But you know, his his jo- his job, as defined in the Air Force, is to verify the target and verify that there are as few civilian or family members around the person before before the trigger can be pulled. And what he said was that this these targets, first of all, they know their targets, so they take their family with them. Everywhere, because while the while the stingers on the on the um, drones are not large explosive, you know, if if you're in a room with somebody, you're going to be part of the part of the casualty list. Part of the sausage. Yeah, but if somehow you manage to they manage to get the person alone, then it's then it's a push of a button and and, and they're done. Um, for them to go to the outhouse. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Seriously. Seriously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these new these rules of engagement have changed. Um, I'm, I'm going to bring in what Sean has said. Uh, the rules of engagement under, under Obama are, are to withdraw, negotiate, bluff, withdraw, bluff, apologize, withdraw, and then only if no other choice, fight, but not hard. Um, she, nailed, she nailed it. <laughs> well done. <clears throat> that's, that's a freaking Ph.D. dissertation yeah. there. Um, the other comment I'll bring in is is Charlize's from Second Life. She said, we are fighting PC wars. <clears throat> and we've, on this show and even before, you know, there is a, a block of Americans that is sick and tired of, of political correctness and not being willing to uh, express strength. Um, and, and honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift here a little tangent, but... Honestly, I think a, a part of that block is is going to going to vote for Trump. Um, <clears throat> if nothing else, he shatters the concept of PC. Even, e, one, even would have, as, one would have to say he is not PC. Yes, that's yeah. unarguable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and it's going to be interesting because you know we've 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 watched Trump go up and down in the polls. Um, a, a poll that I heard the other day. It was an anonymous poll, 
basically they call you up and say, this is so-and-so from this research institute. Um, I don't want to know your name. I don't want to know where you live. I don't want to know your party affiliation. I don't want to know your age. I don't want to know any of that demographic information. All I want to know is who you plan to vote for. And Trump won, I think they, they called 1,500 people, and Trump won rather handily. The pollster then asked that question, or asked the question, if I had asked for personal information about you, up to and including your name, would you have changed who you said you were going to vote for? And 80% said yes. Keep fighting. Yeah. Don't believe in miracles. No. But so, so this, this Iranian incursion they're, they're, is... They're, they're going to lie, cheat, and steal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, this Iranian incursion is, is, is a big example of, uh, of what the current president's policies have done to the image of the U.S., in especially Middle Eastern eyes, um, but across the globe. Um, you know, when when we would have been re- recording the show last week, we were actually in Canada and um, was chatting with a young lady who who said um, who said the thing with the thing with Donald Trump is that he says things that need to be said, but he says them in such a way that everybody's going, oh, God, why is he saying that? You know, so you hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a Canadian. You don't hear it with his. You don't hear it when you when when you say it like uh, John McCain, no, or Bush or or Bush. Jeb Bush or Kasich. None of them said it in a manner that where you would hear it. No, apparently Bill Clinton said that he was going to build a wall uh, along the Mexican border, and he got thunderous applause from both uh, both the Democrats and the Republicans because he well, there you go. because he said it in a way that didn't make people cringe. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Cringe. Cringing is a healthy response. Cringing is a healthy response, and you know it's interesting. The University of Chicago has decided that cringing and learning and having real open discussions is a healthy thing. The University of Chicago welcomed the class of 2020 to the simmering national debate over free speech on college campuses with a letter informing incoming students not to expect safe spaces or trigger warnings on the midway. Uh, in an undated letter posted on Twitter on Wednesday by the student newspaper, the, the Maroon, which is the, the, the newspaper of the University of Chicago, Dean of Students John J. Ellison delivered to students a manifesto on the elite college's commitment to rigorous debate, discussion, and even disagreement. Wow. Uh, amazing thought here. Especially coming from Chicago. Uh, yeah. This one floored me. Our commitment to academic freedom means we do not support so-called trigger warnings. We do not cancel invited speakers because their topics might prove controversial. And we do not condone the creation of intellectual safe spaces where individuals can retreat from ideas and perspectives at odds with their own. <coughs> wow. That I, I, I'm actually floored. Yeah, I was floored then. I'm floored reading it now. You know, the fact that colleges, you know, okay, kids are leaving their, their homes for the first time and they're going to these colleges. And so many, you know, the, the whole impetus behind this is you've got, you've got kids, 19, 18, 20 year olds saying, 
that person said that people have the right to, to bear arms. I want a safe space because the thought of that scares me. No. What, you know, no. That's, we, that, we've that, gone that, through this. The, the, you know, the, the, some moronic freshman somewhere and probably actually believes that because somebody has convinced him of that. The, the the strategy is to silence the side that speaks those beliefs. They mm-hmm. don't give a darn about safety or trigger or any of that. They want what's being said to be absolutely silenced, to not be available to the intellectual minds in college. And at the University of Chicago is saying, screw that noise. We want to be able to have the conversation. Yeah. Now no, I've got to I've got to bring in I've got to bring in an absolutely wonderful comment from Shauna, and this is kind of where I was going in Second Life. She said part of college is to expand your thinking and to understand why you believe what you believe. It's also a place I'm going to add to that. It's also a place where people of differing opinions will meet, of different you know experiences, of different exposures, of different uh, backgrounds can meet and share their opinions and, you know, explain why they believe them. You know, it's, it's not there to convert anybody, but it is there for, you know, for the expression. And the University of Chicago, and I, I full out applaud the University of Chicago on this, has, has taken the stance that, you know, just because you don't like my opinion does not give you the right to shut me down. Or, or to tell, to keep me from speaking at certain locations on mm-hmm. campus. Yep. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that has been shut down. I, I, my oh, guess sorry. is it doesn't catch on much. I don't know. I, I expect it will catch on in some colleges. You know, the mostly rural because the the rural colleges are are not quite as sensitive minded. Um, you know, your your Ivy Leagues will probably not catch on to this, but... Well, it's, it's their plan. <laughs> of course they're not going to catch on to it. They have concocted this system. I mean, it, it it's nothing to them that a surprise that people object to having their thoughts silenced. It They planned it. They did it. They continue to do it. They continue to enforce it. They continue yep. to severely punish people who don't comply. Yeah, the the here's yeah stray dog in in second Aaron talks you uh, added in this he said most liberals cannot justify their opinions with facts so they attempt to shut down debate and that's true that that's, that's very true. true as well um, you know the 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 war of emotions is one that nobody's ever going to win just ask anybody that's been married for an extended period of time. I said that out loud, didn't I? Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, always the you got extra pillows on the couch. <laughs> uh, I mean, let, let's let I I want to say one thing. Yeah. Uh, at the end, end of this article, uh, because for reasons known only to them, the uh, article the the person who wrote the article gave uh, semi equal time to this whining complaining that the University of Chicago was being non-compliant to the PC warriors. And 
you know, one way to look at that is how did that moron get into that article? And, but that, in fact, is the way it is supposed to be. Yeah. I find this guy to be disgusting. Uh, he, you know, he's barf material, but he deserves uh, in a true and open discussion to have his say, no matter how stupid he is. Uh, he does not give the same courtesy to people who disagree with him. That's the issue. Exactly. That's the problem. Okay, great. Let him talk. But if he, if we're going to let him talk, he has to let us talk. And and you know that's that's absolutely right. Now the one interesting I was I was listening to uh, to some some commentary about this, um, and and one thing that was brought up was you know trigger warnings, and and we've I've used them on the show, and I know you scoff when I use them. Um, but I use them in the in the. I, I got incensed. I didn't scoff. I got incensed because when, you were feeding you were feeding the beast. The reason that I used you, them because was because the article that we were that we were discussing was about rape, and you know when you have somebody that's gone through that, I understand they should they they should be able to talk about it, but sometimes it's too fresh or too soon. Everybody I've, I've, I've has everybody has, has a life experience that says some subjects will be very painful. The mere talk about death. What percentage of the population has had a painful experience with death? Or you know, as painful as the as the rape experience. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost a child, they lost a spouse, they lost a parent. It's very damn painful. Does that mean we can't talk about death? No. Well, damn it, then, then stop using the same argument. Rape is a horrible, horrible thing. We should talk about it. It does not mean that we should give trigger warnings on rape, period. Trigger warnings are a bad idea by their very essence. I'm done again. I was repeating myself. Okay. It's okay. Well, and and, and you know, <sighs> since we had that conversation before, I've actually stopped using them. Um, yes, you have. I also have tried to keep things above the belt, but that that becomes difficult in certain news news cycles. Not talking about people's plumbing or which plumbing they I use. Understand. Yeah, I, I, so I, I think you've made you've made good progress. There. Let's let, let's move to the workplace. We, we've All talked right. we've talked about the college campus. Um, let's let's move to the workplace now. This one hits really close to home for me, not because I'm impacted by the ruling, but because I have to help clients implement the ruling. Um, there is an attempt to incre- in an alleged attempt to increase the income of certain salaried employees. The Obama administ- administration issued a new overtime rule set to take effect December 1st. Um, currently, employers only have to pay overtime on uh, the overtime time and a half rate. To salaried employees who make less than whatever minimum wage is times 75 per week. And they're effectively treated as hourly employees. Uh, the new rule changes that level based on some weird calculation according to the cost of living. Uh, this is saying 47476 in New York State. It varies by state. So it's, it's, all, it's right around 50000 for New York State employees. Um, and I know that when this ruling came out, we talked about it. Uh, it is coming closer to being implemented, 
or no, it was proposed. It hadn't been finalized. The change in uh, in in the minimum salaries because sta- every the federal government and every state has a minimum wage, and you know we we hear all the talk about going to fifteen dollars an hour for the minimum wage. Well, for exempt employees, that is employees that are not subject to overtime, there is a minimum salary for that, and it's. Current ruling is whatever minimum wage is times 75 hours per week. Um, How can you multiply times 75? Times 1.75? No, no. If the minimum wage is $8 an hour, the minimum salary is $600 per week. Ah, okay. Okay. It's it's whatever the minimum wage is times 75, and that's your minimum weekly salary for exempt employees. And I know you and I have talked about. I know the last time we talked, Larry, you had actually we had talked about you know the the concept that this is used in in some cases to get more out of employees. You know, companies cutting cheap, running cheap on labor to get more out of employees because they don't have to pay. It, it, and another side effect, frankly, is we, you know, we've had a lot of jokes about PhDs in uh, molecular chemistry selling hot dogs behind hot dog carts in various large metropolitan areas, mm-hmm. and and that's because they got some other molecular chemist doing two jobs for the price of one. So I, you know. There, there's various va- facets to this, mm-hmm. but one of them, one of them is, is that in fact, employers, some employers, have in fact been milking the system and forcing effectively two days' work out of each individual per day, and and I frankly am not entirely bothered by this effort to get them to hire more people rather than make people to work twice as long. They're not hiring more people though. The effect But they would they, they would. I don't see I I, I don't see the effect. Where, I mean, there's a lot of hypothesizing coming out of the Heritage Foundation in this article which I find to be rather poorly written. But yeah. you know, it, you go ahead and tell me your side of the story. Well, it's it's not my it's it's what I've what I've witnessed. Um like I said you know, the company that I work for, you know, we provide HR services. And what I, what I and my IT team had to do was come up with some way to show the clients, okay, you have these people that are going to be below that minimum salary. Now, you can switch them to hourly, and this is how much overtime you're going to pay. You can, change, you can give them a raise. You can bring them up to what, you know, what the minimum salary is. You know, or you can hire more bodies and move them down to hourly, so you're not paying overtime for them. The vast majority of them just say, "Give them raises." Okay, but you know, nobody the long run is nobody. The long, the, it, nobody the long said hire more bodies. Be, I don't. I don't think that's true. That's a very short-term view of what's going to happen. People, people are going to look at the cost of filling the next opening they have, and they're going to make decisions. I mean, it historically, has always been the the effect of, of time and a half has been to keep the union rosters full. It has yeah, always resulted are, in more bodies. These are these are not. You're, we're talking about salary employees. We're not talking about hourly employees. I understand. Even that. even so, we're not talking about more membership in the union. We're talking about more membership in management. 
because the salary positions are typically either your your highly skilled labor, you know, IT is almost exclusively salary. Um, you're, you're, it's the same guy sitting at the same desk. You're saying that the the incentive to uh, pay time and a half if for for more hours will not result in more hiring. And I'm saying the counterexample of that is in union jobs. That's exactly what happened. Oh yeah, they it, it, they hire more. They do it, hire more people, or they lower okay. the expectations and extend the timeline. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah. I mean, wh- why why is the logic different for salaried employees? I'll give you an example. And and coming from no, from, I don't I don't want an example. I want logic. You can always come up with a counterexample to anything. No, the Tell lo- me why okay. the logic is different. The logic is different because they don't want to expand the timelines and they don't want to hire the, the more bodies. Okay, that's, that's crappy logic. I'm sorry. The logic why they're not hiring more bodies is because they don't want to – there's, there's not a justifiable reason to invest in the additional cost of employment. The reason they aren't hiring more bodies is because people are terrified about what things are going to look like a year from now. That, that there's enormous there's enormous uncertainty in the economy and in the hiring uh, industry, and that's why they're not hiring. Well, and after and, and the, also after the election, yeah. after the election, when things become more stable, I predict that in fact we will see an increase in hiring because of this regulation. Well, the the thing that I noticed, and and I agree with you, the uncertainty is there. Um, if you've got an organization that is on the brink of the Affordable Care Act mandate, um, which I believe, which is forty, which is forty full-time equivalents, so it's based on the number of hours worked, not based on the number of bodies that are in the in the office. Um, a salary employee always counts as one. If you've got somebody that works a, a, a buttload of overtime, that actually increases your FTE count. Um, so, so, so under this regulation, their FTE count is going to go up unless they give them increases and bring them above the minimum salary range. Right. Um, sometimes it, they will, and sometimes they won't. Sometimes, yeah, exactly. Maybe see, maybe no. Um, one company, and and I'm not going to get into the three reasons um, that this article points out. If you want to, the links to all of our articles that we're talking about in any episode can be found at the website at frontporchtalk.net. Uh, if you guys, if, if listeners see a different side to this article and want to email comments, they can send them via email to conservativepodcast at gmail.com or share them on our Facebook page at, uh, facebook.com slash frontporchpoliticaltalk. Um, one company that may or may not have a new hire in the near future is the uh, is the manufacturer of EpiPen. Now, I, I, I'm less worried about you know the, the actual headline here. I wanted to get an EpiPen story in the conversation this week. Um, Heather Bright- Bresch, uh, who's the C- CEO of Mylan, which manufactures EpiPens, there's the the article points out that she's the daughter of a um, uh, of a Democratic senator, great. Um, the the bigger news here is the fact that EpiPens, which for those that don't know what they are, uh, anybody that has an, an anaphylactic shock type reaction to to an allergen, be it bee stings, be it shellfish, um, tree nuts, 
you know, what else? Nerve, you know? nerve, nerve, nerve gas. They're used uh, in, mil- in military applications mm-hmm. for nerve gas attacks. But you knew that, I'll bet. Yeah. The, whole, uh, the cost of the EpiPen has gone from $100 per unit to $600 per unit. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. It's a two dose. It's a um, the, a two dose package went from ninety four dollars nine years ago. Um, in May, the cost averaged more than six times that. Um, and here, and and what's what, what's the problem? There are two two possible explanations for the problem. Mm-hmm. One is that the uh, uh, people who run that business uh, have taken advantage of the law as it is currently written to make as much money as they can. Now, they probably would say, you know, I looked at my job description and that's my job. Their job is to promote the interests of their employer or their corporation or whatever it is. They're doing just what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Now, so I, I, the, the spin on this is that the problem is that they're not using their ingrained liberal instincts to avoid making money just because the money can be made. I say the problem is the way the law is written. The law allows people to hide behind patents for an eternal amount of time. Mm -hmm. And it allows for the the slimmest of reasons for the patents to be extended ad infinitum. Patents need to expire sooner, but on a sliding scale and more gradually. So, you know, if if the patent value declined rather than just went to zero, it would allow companies who had spent the money to develop the product, whatever it is, to gradually reduce uh, the gouging, but at the same time would allow second sources to begin to enter the marketplace. The law needs to be changed. We cannot expect human nature to change. And to pass a freaking law, which is being suggested here, to outlaw normal human behavior, behavior and to outlaw or, or, or prohibit the behavior of those people who run corporations for profit to stop seeking profits is really stupid. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because the job of a CEO, um, you know, salt, uh, stray dog said that it's current law. Um, it, it's not really law. A CEO's job is to maximize profits. Absolutely. Um, however, the, the the definition of of raising profits does not necessarily mean increasing prices to these points. Because what's happened is is now this manufacturer has a black mark a black mark on its name that's going to yes people have to buy the thing, but it's going to make investors very nervous for public reaction because nothing operates in a bubble when it comes to uh, when it comes to profits. Profits doesn't always mean increasing the amount between the cost of manufacture and the cost of sale because that company doesn't just manufacture that device. Um, you know. So it, basically, what you're saying is the market system is going to come to bear and it's going to write the ship and you know maybe maybe that's true and, and not the market uh, as in the buyer i mean as in the stock market 
Well, no, no. That I mean, that's that's all part of the market. That's mm-hmm. all part of the the uh, profit and loss imperative. And and if it starts costing this company money because of this action, they're going to change their behavior because their job is to maximize earnings. And if it turns out that what they have done here with this EpiPen product is not maximizing earnings, then they're going to change their approach. Now, for the good of the comp the the country and the people, which is our job, you know, and it's the president's job and it's Congress's job. They haven't done their job well. Their job should be part of their job should be to adjust the patent system to allow uh, these companies to regain their development costs, make money, uh, allow the uh, the CEO to fulfill their greatest dreams, but at the same time allow the market pressures to work properly. The patent system is designed to defeat the market system, and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the other thing that that is going, you know, their, their timing on this couldn't have been worse um, because they raised the prices just as kids are going back to school. And, you know, any any child with a nut allergy, with a bee allergy, any of that, has an EpiPen on them in, in most cases. Um, you know, so there's there's already been a storm on Twitter about it. There's been a lot of news. A lot of folks are talking about it. And and that... Um, they, should, they should crucify them. I mean, really, they oh, should just eat, eat them alive and because it, they deserve it. And know, I hope I, that it, it's the market... Has its desired effect. So do I. But it, it, this is not time to pass a law to prevent CEOs from doing their job. No, it's it's not. Um, and what Congress has done is they're they're hauling these uh, hauling the people in front of you know in in, in front of committees a, a, to explain what they did. Committee. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's so the it's so. It's Lewis so, and Cummings and, 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 and all of these other guys, Republicans and Democrats alike, can get their pictures taken, get a soundbite into the system, and then go on about their business as yep. normal. Make it look like they've done something. Yep. Because it's the um it's the perception that 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 D C is doing something. Yeah, and and this comes, you know, quite obviously, you know, coming up on an election, so anybody running for re election wants to have their name tied to doing something for the American people. God knows they haven't done anything else. Well, I mean, it, it, look, look, look at the Hillary thing. Y- you would think that any normal moral person would be absolutely aghast at the truths that are coming out uh, on the shenanigans that she pulled while she was Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. She made 200 million bucks, as far as we can count, by giving away favors to disreputable representatives of countries and other external interests mm-hmm. 200, 200 million bucks and counting oh and, but, but that would and his, his, his nibs made you and i know that I'm, yeah i know you're you're yeah the the point the point is but there's no shock there's no embarrassment there's there's no outrage among the governing class why because it's their standard operating procedure. They all do the same thing. They really have no sense of goodness, of fair play. They're maximizing their power. They're maximizing their income. 
Mm-hmm. And when they see Hillary succeeding at their strategies, they just shrug. Yeah. I'm going to bring in uh, comments from Charlize here. Um, Good deal. Uh, it, it says, she said, um, it's all about, it, it is about moral capitalism. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll add to that. There's a phrase that, uh, as I was working on my MBA, one of the things that I learned about was, you know, making corporate decisions that were community minded and, and community could be the country, could be the world, could be, you know, the state could be whatever that also helped increase the popularity and name recognition and goodwill towards your company of the public. And it's, it's both. So it's, it's moral capitalism is, is another term for that. Um, she said, if a company does not act morally, the market will go after them. Um, you know, yeah. If 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 the if the law isn't so badly slanted, yeah. I mean the the the, the only it's kind of funny that Mister Pharma, big pharma guy, I forget his name. I mean, he even the looks guy, like a crook. Yeah, the guy that was that was talking about how much they charged for cancer drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean the only they the only reason they got him is because he was doing stock dealings. Had he just behaved himself, he'd have got away with it. I mean, the, nobody was going to chase him for doing what they are already doing. But he had he got into some crooked stock deals and insider trading, so they nailed him. Yeah. Not because of what he was doing with the cost of drugs, but because something essentially unrelated. That's very sad. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can I say that I would really, really like to talk to, about the guy, the the new Black Panther leader. I think that's probably the most. Yeah, let's, let's article. very quick, very quickly, because we're we're already up against the clock here. Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, Quanell X made the statement: Trump is right about Democrats exploiting black votes. Quanell X, leader of the New Black Panther Party in Houston, Texas, said this week on a local news program that Black Americans should quote truly examine. Donald Trump's outreach to the black community and re-examine the relationship that that black voters have with the Democratic Party. Um, go ahead and, and take it, Larry. Well, I mean, obviously, I think you know the, the people who listen to this program probably are you know brings tears to their eyes that uh, that this such clear thinking would come from this particular source. And you know, my little one-liner was maybe hope does hide in Texas after all because this this guys out of Houston. Um, and, you know, and frankly, it gives hope to the the narrative that Trump is trying to sell uh, that, in fact, the blacks in the in the United States, it, it's more than 50 years. It goes back to Reconstruction times that, you know, the Democrats sold them a bill of goods and they kept selling them a bill of goods and they continue to sell them a bill of goods. So, yeah, uh, you know, I Normally, uh, my hackles go up when I see Black Panther anything. Well, mm-hmm. Mr. Mister Quinnell, congratulations. Welcome aboard. <laughs> you and, finally made it to America. And, and, and I wonder if he's tied to the University of Chicago at all. Because he actually, well, was, yeah. he actually thought about it. And he, here's, here's a quote. He said, uh, he spoke directly to, back, to black people. And I want to say and encourage the brothers and sisters, Barack Obama, our president, served two terms the first black president ever. But did our condition get better? Did it financially, politically, academically, with education in our community, did things get better? Are our young people working more than what is what is before he came into office? 
is the condition it, it, the condition got worse. So now we as black people have to do and remember what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said. No politician can save the black community. We've got to do it ourselves. I mean, isn't that refreshing? I mean, now, who would have who would have said a Black Panther leader would say such a thing in the 21st century? And 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 we've got we got um, Steel Wolves in second line, Aaron Talkshoe that's that's questioning our sanity for quoting uh, and and giving praise to Quan LX. We're praising him first of all for this statement. Let's let's clarify that piece. But also, this is something that is drastically important especially as we come up to an to an election because the democrats are counting on the black populace to come out and vote for obama's third term that's they they yeah. they, they have they they're not campaigning to the black vote they are not they're pandering in major in some major urban areas but they are absolutely relying on the black vote and what this man and, is saying and, and, is, you know, and, don't and, let them do that. I don't, I, don't, I don't care who the hell it is. If they go in that booth and they vote for Trump, I'll say nice things about them, at least until the election's over. <laughs> uh, we cannot afford to turn down one vote, no matter what initials are before or after their name. We need every vote we can get. It's called an election. It's how it works in this country. Be nice to people, at least until the election. Yeah, and I'll Thank I'll, you, I'll, I'll, I'll close I'll, I'll close the show with this, um, and, and this may be an odd decision in in, in doing this, but uh, um, one day uh, a, a a politician died and went to heaven, and St. Peter's sitting there going, "We've never had politicians here. I don't know what to do." So he called Satan up, and they had a conversation, and they decided, "Okay, listen, you can take a tour of heaven, then you can take a tour of hell, and we'll let you pick." Where, um, you know, where you're going to spend your eternity. And so they did the tour of heaven, and everybody was there. They, it was pleasant, and peaceful. There were, you know, the heavenly the heavenly host was singing, and everybody was everybody was happy. And then they went down to hell, <clears throat> and all of his friends were there, and they were partying and laughing it up and eating good food and going off into corners with attractive young ladies. And so he came back and he goes, you know, I I I have to admit, I'm I'm gonna pick hell. And so the next, so he went down to hell, and all of a sudden he turns around and all of his friends are in absolute misery, and the food is all garbage, and I won't say what was going on in the dark corners. And he turned to Satan, Satan and said, "What happened?" And Satan looked at him and said, "Well, it's just like what you did yesterday. You voted." <laughs> so I yeah, want to thank, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for being a part of the call. Thanks for all the acti active uh, uh, chat and conversation and talk show as well as in Second Life. Um, if you liked what you heard, we ask you to blog about us. Tell five of your friends. Follow us on Facebook. It's facebook.com/frontporchpoliticaltalk, uh, or on Twitter at ecconservative. If you didn't like what you heard, we will be here next week. Uh, no unexpected uh, interruptions. Uh, where you will probably hear different words in a different order, and maybe even a better joke. <laughs> so for Joseph, we'll say, good night, Chuck. Don't eat the roast beef. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.